front of you the catechism for this evening. Catechism, these things we've been going through for several weeks now. Just the basic teaching, the fundamentals of the faith, the basics, why we believe what we believe from the scriptures. Um, If it's not from the scriptures, then what's the point of believing it? Um, So for today's catechism, it comes from the Heidelberg Catechism, um, if you've ever heard of that. Uh, It's not usually on most people's bookshelves, but this is where this one is from. Uh, The question that we're going to be dealing with, it seems simple, and we're going to look into how sometimes it's not as simple. The question being, what are good works? If I were to ask, let me just ask the question off the top of your head. What are good works? How would you describe good works? Not what are the good works, is making a list, but what are good works just in general? Things that glorify God. Things that glorify God. Yep, that's part of the definition that we're going to be looking at. Things that glorify God. The contrary being things that don't glorify God. <laughs> what else? How else would you describe good works? Serving others. Serving others. Things that are of service or of help or of aid to other people. Some selfless outpouring for the good of another. Good works. Yeah. 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 What are the right? Right. And I like that how he just says whether you eat or drink using something specific within a specific context, but then he expand. He just blows it up with or whatever you're doing, <laughs> do all to the glory of God. Yeah. All of life is supposed to need to be intentional. Yeah. But everything yeah. we're doing is supposed to be glorifying. Right, right. In a perfect life, yes. We would be doing nothing but glorifying God <laughs> with our works, thus being people who are given to good works. Anything else? Anything else you'd like to add before we get into this more catechismal answer? Tucker? Oh, I thought you were going to say something. Do you know what good works are? How would you describe good works? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> what? How do you do good works? You don't know? Talk, Jayla, how do you do good works? What's good works? You don't know? Jayla or Alexi, do you know what good works are? What? What is it? A pencil? Oh, okay. You can do some good work with a pencil. <laughs> All right. <laughs> good answers. Yeah. Could it just be uh, having fellowship with like-minded believers? Yeah, that would be a good work. I mean, it doesn't sound like work, mm-hmm. but yet you're talking and sharing the word. Yeah. And Sometimes truly good work from the Spirit of God doesn't really always feel like work. Sometimes it's not. You know, we define work as doing something with your hands that develops or creates or accomplishes something. Sometimes goodness isn't something that's accomplished, per se, though, it, though things are accomplished. <laughs> Fellowship accomplishes edification, building up, encouragement. Can I, can I share, as far as like working at work, I was working in context of this, but um, it's interesting that the dear Lord brings me to like-minded believers to come along the side and just 
out of sharing with somebody that was in great turmoil and um, just uplifting her with sharing uh, Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11, which I've been trying to focus on. And, uh, you know, how that just helped lift her whole day. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that, I think that I'm going to work to work. Yeah. But really the good works was being able to spend time with her and right. encourage her spirit in the life challenges that she had. Yeah. So, I don't know, because work sounds, has such a different context right. in my mind anyway. Mm -hmm. that, um, actually, the, the true work was really just sharing the gospel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I think that that's good, and there is, there is value in working with your hands to the best of your ability, uh, to the glory of God. Like, it's one of those things, whatever you're doing, whether it's farming, whether it's nursing, whether it's whatever it is, teaching, whatever it is you're doing. And uh, sometimes those daily occupations, whether it's an occupation, whether it's just something you're involved in, whatever you're doing, it can be, you know, whatever that normal flow of life is, it's, we should also see that as a platform for doing good when those situations come across, when we meet the person, we're intentionally thinking, how can I turn this into something that's glorifying to God? You know, we should be looking for those opportunities and welcoming those opportunities, taking advantage of those opportunities that come up. You know, for instance, I was just texting with a guy that I worked with, he, uh, for Eddie B. Brown, just today. Uh, he had a couple kids that I didn't know about until somebody told me about it, so I was texting with him, congratulating him, and you know, he's an atheist, but we had many, many good conversations together about the scriptures, the gospel, and I, I still pray for him from time to time that he'll be saved one of these days. <laughs> you know, but it's just we were at work. He was my boss for a little bit, for a little while. Um, and we just took, I, he, was, he was eager to talk about this stuff because he was, he was more one of the, I don't even know why he was working there. He's more of an intellectual who I, I don't have any knowledge why he was interested in that line of work, but... He loved talking about that stuff, and I took advantage of it, the fact that he loved talking about that stuff. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, it's um, good that you would bring up that atheist thing. Mm -hmm. uh, this week, um, I went to see a lady that I know, and as I was walking through the house, I called Linda and told her to pray for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to bring up the fact about anything. She brought it up because I said, well, she was a former landlady, a former... Mm -hmm. And I said, um, uh, you know, I was just talking to her, how are you doing and all this. And she said, um, I said, oh, well, and she then said she has a new renter in her house, not the one I was at, but, um, and the lady was a Mormon. Yeah. And so she brought it up. I didn't have mm -hmm. to bring it yeah. up anything. Yeah. And that was just really uh, how God works so mm -hmm. wonderfully. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure Linda prayed for me. And yeah. Yep. And yeah, uh, and um, Linda was telling me that um, you were talking on relationships, how um, it's better when we build up the relationship with somebody because so many people aren't going to church now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and some of those sometimes those are the most natural times of sharing the gospel is when we're just interacting with somebody who's in our normal in a relationship. We know each other. We we get along and we talk. We talk about things. And, and we, also, Pastor, she has a note on her door. Any of you religious yeah. freaks, just do not like the store. Beware. You are, you, are, um, you are trespassing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Beware of the atheist dog. <laughs> Crazy, nasty note I put on my door. Mm -hmm. See, so I didn't have yeah. to say anything. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. I think it's important in relationships to leave a footprint, leave your Christian footprint. Mm -hmm. I remember before I got saved, uh, there was a uh, missionary when Stan and I were living in Taiwan at the time. Yeah. And there was a missionary for, from uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. Yeah. And he came to our house and he was, uh, and I was, non-Christian at the time. Sandy mm -hmm. was Christian. Sure. But I thought I was a Christian, but I really yeah. wasn't. Yeah. And he'd come over there and he'd leave gospel tracts all over the house. Mm -hmm. he'd leave them there. <laughs> so yep. it's so important, mm -hmm. I think, when we meet someone, is to leave your Christian footprint. Yeah. Don't get away from them. Because mm -hmm. you'll never know, you may not ever see them. Right. And either have a gospel tract with you or share your testimony or something. Yeah. Uh, it's to leave a footprint. Leave yeah. a Christian footprint. Yeah, and, and when we seek to glorify God in all that we do, whether it's our Christian relationships or non-Christian relationships, sometimes that's hard, sometimes we break relationships because we're glorifying God. But sometimes, even in a broken relationship, you still leave that footprint. And sometimes the relationship isn't broken, and sometimes that, that footprint can be perpetuated. And the Bible calls that more of a seed that's planted. And that seed can, if it's watered, if it's nurtured, it can grow into something and flourish and turn into salvation for that person. So yeah, you're right. We need to be leaving our seeds throughout the world, planting the seeds, Johnny Appleseed, just walking through everywhere we go. So all, all this is great. Let's read this answer together. What are good works? Let's read the answer. Those which proceed from true faith and are done according to the law of God unto his glory and do not rest on our own opinion or the commandments of men. So a little bit more detail in these scripture passages will deal with each one of these categories to a certain degree. Uh, let's return to Romans chapter 14. Verses 22 to 23. Who'd like to read that for us? Romans 14, 22 to 23. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. Is that Romans? That's 15. And oh, is it 15? Okay. Oh, I got 15. So That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat. Because he in it, he is not a faith, for whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And this is this passage comes in context of meat offered to idols, or are we supposed to eat meat that's been offered to idols? Basically, Paul is making the argument that if if you can do it in good faith, then fine, because we all know that idols are nothing. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing behind an idol. If you're not worshiping it, it's not a sin. So the meat, it's not cursed. It doesn't have a demon inside of it. You're not doing any harm by eating it. But if you think there's something to it, if you are still struggling with your past idolatry, because most of the people that, most of the Gentiles that have been converted to Christianity were idol worshipers at some point. Uh, you know, he also deals with this in 1 Corinthians, where they also dealt with that problem. And uh, he was, these people had a hard time in their mind and in their spirit, letting go of the fact that anything that is tied to their past life 
should be acceptable. So there were people that didn't believe we should eat meat that was offered to idols. But then there were another group of people who didn't have a problem with that type of a past. So they, it didn't mar their conscience if they ate the meat, as long as they weren't doing it in the name of a certain God. So he's saying, whatever you're doing, whatever work you're doing, just make sure that you know it's good. Make sure that you know that it's not compromising anything concerning the faith. So what are good works? Well, one, it's something that you do that you are not struggling over. If you're struggling over whether it's right or whether it's wrong, then you probably shouldn't do it until you can come to certainty. A lot of us, that's why a lot of us can have different things in our lifestyles where perhaps somebody else couldn't have in their lifestyle because maybe they associate a certain um, action with the way they used to live or whatnot. Um, so they have a hard time accepting that. They, you know, certain people can't worship God with a certain style of music because it reminds them of their hardcore rock and roll days back in, you know, whenever. They can't worship God with it, so they're not going to worship God with it. And we shouldn't push them to worship God with it. But there are some people, they can broaden their spectrum of worship music because it means nothing to them. It had nothing to do with their sinful past. So they can worship God with a broader range of music. You know, and this is that's just an example, a more modern example. There are some things that can be right for some people and wrong for other people, depending on their past, depending on whether or not it's compromising their faith in God because of who they are, because of the experiences that they've had, or what other type of reason. Or they grew up being taught a certain way, and it's hard to let go of that when they realize, oh wait, maybe it's not a problem, but I still have a problem with it because that's how I've been raised and brought up. So, he says, so, you know, if there weren't these categories, then he wouldn't be saying this at all. If you doubt, you are condemned if you eat. Why? Because if you think it's wrong and you're doing it, well then to you, you are acting out of rebellion. You're acting, or fear, or whatever it might be, the fear of man. You are not seeking to glorify God in what you're doing. It would be more glorifying to God for you to reject it in the name of God. But if you're not doubting, if it's not a problem, and you can use it for the glory of God, then use it for the glory of God. Any questions about that? All right, 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 26. If somebody would like to read that when you get there. 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 26. Then Samuel said, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Saul answered Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the Lord's command and your words. Because I was afraid of the people, I obeyed them. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin and return with me so I can worship the Lord. Samuel replied to Saul, I will not return with you because you rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. So this is in the context of, you know, he was, Saul was supposed to kill everything 
in the Amalekite cities that he was destroying. He was supposed to destroy all the Amalekites, all of their herds, all of their everything. But did he? No, he didn't. He left some things. And, you know, he even says, you know, we're going to go sacrifice these to God. You know, we didn't destroy them. We didn't destroy the herds because we wanted to sacrifice them. But what does God say to, to that? You know, he wanted to use something good. He had good, in, you know, I, I think he was kind of trying to sweep it under the rug and kind of move on. I think there was more to it. But let's just take him at his word here for a second. He had good intentions. He wanted to sacrifice it to God. He wanted to use it for God. But then God goes on and says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? No, he doesn't. He would rather you just obeyed him than did some extravagant sacrifice in a way that wasn't pleasing to God. So this is, you know, good works. One, they must, well, I guess you could say two, there are things that are done according to the law of God, regardless of what your intentions are. If you're breaking the law of God, then the Lord has no delight in that. I was just reading the story of Uzzah. If you remember Uzzah, he was uh, one of the men walking with the Ark of the Covenant as David and 30,000 men were trying, people were trying to move it into Jerusalem. And the cart stumbled and uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant jostled and he put his hand out to try to stabilize it. Good intentions, right? Good intentions. He didn't want the Ark of the Covenant to fall off the, the cart, to open up, to spill out, to, to get all dirty. Good intentions. But what happened to Uzzah? He got, he got killed. He died. The Lord smote him. Why? Because he considered... Um, uh, who said? R.C. Sproul put it this way. His problem was that he considered his hand to be clean, his his hands to be cleaner than the dirt. <laughs> um, and the Lord is more pleased through obedience than even keeping these articles of the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, clean. He would rather have a clean heart than a clean ark. <laughs> Right. And you can see the progression. He says, oh, we're going to sacrifice them. And then he says, oh, uh, I obeyed the voice of the people. Now return with me so that I may worship God. But then it digresses again. We didn't read this verse. Um, and he says, well, I have sinned, but honor me before the elders of my people in verse 30 <laughs> by coming with me. Because if you don't come with me, the people are going to think things. <laughs> so, one, it becomes this, we're going to glorify God, we're going to glorify God. But then the more you dig into it, you start to see, no, he wanted to, he wanted to be honored. <laughs> so you can see that ultimately there weren't very, it wasn't about good intentions. But the Lord responds to him according to what he had said. He says, no, God doesn't care about your sacrifices if you're not walking in obedience. 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24. You can read that whenever you get there. 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24. Who would like to read that? Go ahead. Everything is 
permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Okay. So this is... Uh, so this is a verse talking about how there's lots of things that are allowable, lots of things you can do, and it's not really considered to be sinful, okay? But what does he say about some of those things? It may be allowable, but is it, is it beneficial? Is it helpful? What else? Is it constructive or edifying? Does it produce good? Good works produce good, or at least they intend to. They produce good. And while we can, it's easy to live, and this is something where we really have to, you know, if you want to put something on your wall to remind you this on a daily basis. Because how many days have we just spent doing whatever, just kind of waiting for the day to be over? <laughs> you know, just doing your, going about your business, doing your thing, not really paying attention a whole lot to God's glory or the goodwill of mankind. You're just kind of doing your thing. All things are lawful, a lot of, but there's a bunch of stuff that's permissible. But not everything's helpful. We participate in a lot of things that they don't actually do any good. They don't actually do any good. We long for leisure, and sometimes leisure actually does good. You don't you know, burnt out dead people don't really produce a lot of good. <laughs> you know, amen. Hey, amen. <laughs> and, we, and we need to be careful. There are some times where we can't seem to get rest. Um, and we all know what those times of our life feel like. We've all been there, or some of us are there, where it just seems like we can't catch a break. But we long for just rest, and then we get rest, and we're okay, but then we just long for leisure and recreation, and we spend our life with leisure and recreation. Yeah, is it a sin? No, it's not a sin to go hiking or watch TV or any such thing. But at some point, it's not helpful. At some point, it's excessive. At some point, it's not producing anything. And he's, in verse 24, he follows up that thought by saying, Let no one seek his own, but each one... Another's well-being. The outlook of our life should be, how can I help? How can I be of service? How can I do good to those around me? And obviously you have verse 31 here, which is, was also part of this after the comma. Therefore, whether you eat or whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. You know, this was again another situation dealing, you know, the context of meat offered to idols. So when he's talking about eating and drinking, the context is things that are offered to idols. So whether you're dealing with this idol situation with the meat and the drink, or whatever, let's open it up to everything. Whatever you're doing, just make sure that God has been glorified by it. Because in this context, in the, book, in the Corinthian church, he was saying, would you cause a brother to stumble just because you wanted some cheaper meat from the market? Would you cause your brother to stumble because you had a hankering for some steak? Would you cause this person, this neighbor of yours who has professed the name of Christ, but is still struggling with his idolatry to possibly fall back into idolatry just because of your appetite? Is that what you want? 
No, whether you're eating or whether you're drinking, whatever it is you're doing, do it for the glory of God. Don't seek your own. Don't seek your, to satisfy your belly at the expense of another person. Don't seek pleasure at the expense of another person. No. Don't seek your own, but each one the other's well-being. So what is a good work? A good work is something that it looks to another. It looks to the good of another person rather than the good of yourself. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 30 to 32. Any questions thus far? Any comments? Anything you'd like to add? Deuteronomy 12, 30 to 32. Who'd like to read that? Be careful not to be ensnared by their ways after they have been destroyed before you. Do not inquire about their gods, asking, How did these nations worship their gods? All will do the same. You must not do the same to the Lord your God because they practice every detestable act which the Lord hates for their gods. For they burn their sons and ooh, for they burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Be careful to do everything I commanded you. Do not add anything to it or take anything away from it. Okay, so in this passage, what do we see here? What Israel wound up doing. What Israel wound up doing, right? Yep, that's exactly what happened. That's what they wound up doing. And the next passage that we're going to look at, well, either Ezekiel or Isaiah, I can't remember which one. We'll actually deal with that in part. Um, But he's saying, you know, I'm going to be, I'm drawing you out of your enemies in the future. I'm going to continue drawing out of your enemies. Just be careful that when you see what your enemies are doing, don't get too curious. (laughs) Don't start doing the things that they're doing because these are things that are abominable to me. And, you know, we, in a, in a like manner, we talk about redemption has historical roots in the, in the exodus out of Egypt. We are redeemed from sin. We've had our own spiritual exodus out of sin, out of the fleshliness of the world. And we've been renewed by the renewal of their minds. And we can see this in a sense You see the world around you. You know the world from which you were redeemed. Don't long for the things that they do. Don't long for their impurities. Don't long for these things that they look like, that looks like they're bringing them great joy. Don't long for those things. No, I've called you out of those things. No, whatever I I have commanded you, be careful to observe those things. Do not add to it Do not take away from it. He's not saying don't add to Scripture per se or take away from Scripture. He's saying don't turn to the left hand or the right hand from how I have commanded you. Walk in my ways. Don't be jealous of the ways of somebody else. No, walk in my ways. They are good for you. So don't, you know, so what is, you know, good works are those works that do not rest on the opinions of man. The man will say, no, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with this. It's not bad for you. It's not. But has the Lord forbid it? Or has the Lord allowed it? No, we must first and foremost determine, is this good? Well, what does the Lord have to say about this? If we're not saying, if if we simply are like, oh, you know what? It looks like a lot of fun. I don't care what the Lord has to say about it. And then you go on and get involved in such activities. Well, isn't that why Jesus said that 
his burden was light because mm-hmm. the Jewish leaders had added so many yeah. of these rules to mm-hmm. right. that had nothing to do with what God had said. <laughs> and that was a warning because when, when you start doing that, when you start adding stuff, when you start manipulating stuff, you know, then things get complicated, then you don't even know what's right anymore. You don't even know what the Lord has commanded. Is this from God or is this from man? Well, we are not to regard the opinions of man in matters that God has already spoken about. If God has spoken about it, then that's enough for us. Ezekiel 20, verses 18 to 20. Okay, so this is after Deuteronomy. Some time goes by, and what happens? Israel starts doing these things. All these things that they were commanded not to partake of. So now Ezekiel, by the word of the Lord, says, Don't do what your fathers were doing. (laughs) Stop doing these things. Don't follow in their footsteps. Yeah, they may be older and wiser, but they're also wrong. Because they are going above and beyond what I have stated. They have turned aside. Don't do what they're doing. I have not commanded these things. In fact, I have commanded against these things. You know, just like the, the Pharisees and many of the rabbis who are adding, adding laws to laws to laws to laws to laws. Don't, don't do those things. That's not what I've commanded you. This is not the burden that I've placed upon your shoulders. Don't be weighed down by these opinions of men. Turn from the ways of your fathers. Respect them, but disagree and turn from them. And then Isaiah 29, 9 through 14 is our last passage here. I'll go ahead and read this one. Pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has caused your eyes, namely the prophets, or closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I cannot. It is sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I am not literate. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. Therefore, behold, I will do a wondrous I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. So in here it starts by saying, God is blinding the people who should be leading the people. He is taking away their sight. They are no not their physical sight, but their spiritual sight. And verses 11 and 12 imply that these people, they look to the law of God and they no longer know how to interpret it. 
They don't know. They, you know, they open the Bible and they look at the law, and it's as though they couldn't even read. It's they, as though it became illiterate. They're reading the words, but they have no idea what it's saying. They have no idea how to interpret this. Why? It says, therefore, says the Lord, inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. If you want to be led astray, found everything that you believe just based off of what you're told from some other person. If you want to fall away from God, don't seek Him yourself. If you want to fall away from God, come to church, rely on what the pastor has to say, but then leave it at that. Just rely on what people say. Rely on other people's interpretations of Scripture. If you want to know what's good, just ask somebody. Let them tell you what's good. That's how you can know that you're going to fall away. That's what happened to these people. They didn't care about what God had to say. They just cared about what man had to say. About what God had to say. (laughs) And it says that they've become as though they were illiterate. As though they were blind. They don't even know how to read the Bible anymore. Because it's so far from recognition to them that it's... They might as well not even know how to read. Why? Because their entire life has been founded upon what other people are saying. What other people are telling them to believe or to do. If you want to know what is good, then you must come to God's word. Yeah, people are helpful. People are helpful. Because the Spirit uses people, right? You're not the only person that the Spirit is going to use. I'm not the only person that the Spirit's going to use. And I believe in the priesthood of the believer where the Spirit actually speaks to you. I believe when the Bible says that the Spirit himself will teach you. I believe that. And you should believe that too. If you want to know what's good, trust God. Don't trust me. Don't trust somebody that you respect. Don't completely turn them away because God could still be using them. Commentaries are good. Books are good. Preachers are good. But God is better. God is always right. So if you want to know what's good, rely first and foremost on Him and what has already been revealed. Don't give, the utmo- don't give your utmost devotion to just doing what people tell you. You must be one with God before your oneness with each other is really going to mean anything. Any questions or comments? But you have to qualify that a little bit because God sent pastors and mm-hmm. teachers right. to edify the church and so on. So mm-hmm. that's His conduct to His people, right. His body. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't yeah, do that. Don't do that. right. No, I agree with you. And if you know, and at some point we'll cover that type of stuff. But yeah, the, God has specifically given the church pastors, teachers, evangelists, elders, all these deacons, all these types of things for the building up of the saints. But we go awry, don't we? <laughs> We're not always right. You know, I don't know for a fact, but I'm sure that I've taught you wrong things in the short time that I've even been here. If I knew it was wrong, then I wouldn't have taught it to you, and I would probably know what it was. But all this to say, like, I might think it's right, but it could not be right. <laughs> you know, so we must always be like the Berean believers who, yeah, I'm hearing you, Paul. Paul, the, the great evangelist. But you know what? I'm still going to test it against the Word of God. Because <laughs> I, too, can look 
and see, because I'm seeking God. I'm not just seeking to know how to live life. I'm actually seeking God, and I want to know God and what, is, what he has said is good. You know, but you're right. You know, these people with these gifts of God to, to communicate the word, to, to teach the word, to impart the word, yeah. Those people, you know, Bible, the Bible says that the elders who uh, labor over the word and the doctrine are worthy of double honor. Why? Because this is a special thing. <laughs> to labor over it, to submit oneself to it, and to communicate it. But we also go wrong sometimes. So we must not put our first and foremost reliance on the words of people. Amen. We must put our first and foremost reliance on the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. Yeah. Hearing by the word of God. Exactly. You hear through the conduit, <laughs> but ultimately we need to know that it's actually it's founded in the word of God. If it's not, then throw it in the trash. But that would also limit some of our possibility of our gifts that we have been given. It's like, I may have given you a gift of revelation, and if you're not in there seeking it yourself, then you're mm -hmm. short-sighting yourself and yeah. not using your gift. Right. And do revelations only become through the elders? Or the... I don't think so. Your, you know, pastor teachers? Is, is, yeah. is that limited? <laughs> no, I, I, I believe that Paul taught if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives unabradedly to anyone who asks, or generously, it's, it's interpreted in a number of different ways, generously to anyone who asks. That's not just pastors, teachers, and evangelists. But if we, and that's something that I started doing in college because I read that and I was like, you know what, that's actually a pretty specific promise. That if I lack wisdom, I can ask God and it says that he's not picky about who he gives it to. He's going to generously give it to anybody who asks. So that's what I started praying. If I come to scriptures and I'm like, this makes no sense to me, I pray and I say, God, show me the wisdom here. What's, what am I supposed to be learning here? What's the point? And I don't remember a single time where he didn't ultimately lead me to, to the guidance in his word through the thing that I asked. I can't remember a single time where I felt let down because God didn't keep his promise. <laughs> you know, so we need, to, we need to take this seriously when, it's, when he says... Hey, I promise to you, if you lack wisdom, I'll, I'll impart wisdom to you. But it's also one of those things that's similar about like prayer. Why are you asking? Is it because you want to spend it on your lusts? <laughs> you know, so the first and foremost, you, okay, you take something like whether you eat or drink, whatever you're doing, do all to the glory of God. We start there. Well, I need to be living in pursuit of the glory of God. And as I'm seeking God and I'm seeking his glory and I'm praying these prayers, God is leading us in all truth. And we're operating as a body, all these things working together, the body working together, each man according to his own gifts, according to the administration of grace by the Spirit. A lot of these things work together. But the point of today's catechism and these passages that we're pointing out is it starts with the Word. If you're starting from somewhere besides the Word, then we have a sandy foundation because men shift and move like the sand. But Jesus Christ, the Word, is a rock. It doesn't change. And isn't that how we get in trouble sometimes when churches are built on maybe one or two sentences? Mm-hmm. Right. And then, yeah. Or an ideal. There's an ideal upon which a church is founded. You know, I've seen that a lot. Yeah. I'm going to start this church because I have this ideal 
for society. I was thinking more of cults and stuff. Yeah. Just, you know. mm-hmm. Right. A person's proclamation of a vision or a dream that departs from the word. Mm-hmm. But even so-called evangelical churches, you know, whenever I hear somebody starting a church because they have an ideal for society, well, that's just a little shifty in my mind. It like sand shifty. I don't think they're trying to deceive people. I think they have good intentions. But you have to start with a word, not just an ideal, an opinion, a commandment of men. Well, at this point, let's get to some prayer requests.